0: Well, good afternoon, and thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We've had a great conversation this morning, and it continues. Now, if you've listened to me over the last couple of months, I'm sure you've picked up on the fact that I uh, really am impressed by the work that Canadian Light Source does. The synchrotron at the University of Saskatchewan is a piece of technology that is groundbreaking and instrumental in some of the most important research and forward-thinking work that's going on, not just in Canada, but around the world. People are flocking to use this piece of technology. And there's another new research story that we're following from Canadian Light Source that's featuring a couple of local Saskatchewan researchers right at the University of Saskatchewan in their chemistry department. The synchrotron is doing research on the best ways to store nuclear waste. They found a new glass ceramic composite that seems to be doing a very good job and doing it safely, plus some other waste uses for that as well. So joining me now to talk about the brilliant work they're doing, we've got a couple of researchers. Andrew Grovner is on the line, and Mirnaz Mikchian, thank you very much for taking the call today. Appreciate having you both here.
1: Thank you for having us, Evan.
0: So tell us about the, the work that you're doing when it comes to a new way to store nuclear waste.
1: Yeah, so our group po- focuses on developing materials for the safe sequestration, and by that really I just fancy term for containment, of radioactive waste. Uh, there are several different strategies that are available. Uh, globally, one strategy is for incorporating the waste into a glass, and it's a process that we call vitrification. But we're just making a glass, like the mug that you might be holding right now. And that's a a well-known technology. Humans have been using glasses for hundreds, if not thousands of years. However, an issue with that for nuclear waste storage is that many of the different elements that are found in, for example, uh, spent or used nuclear fuel have varying sizes. Small things can very easily fit into a glass. Larger elements, you can only incorporate uh, low quantities. You need a lot of glass to contain a small amount of waste. We've developed composite materials that contain a glass matrix with crystallites of a crystalline oxide material dispersed in it. So think of it like a chocolate chip cookie, where the dough is the glass and the crystallites of the crystalline material are the chocolate chips. And by tailoring the structure of that crystalline material, we can incorporate large quantities of those large waste elements with the smaller waste elements now going into the glass phase. So it allows for increased loading of uh, nuclear waste into the material.
0: Researchers Andrew Grosvenor and Mirnaz McChien are my guests today from uh, University of Saskatchewan's Department of Chemistry. What, what is used now? You're, you're developing a new, innovative, and likely highly successful way to store nuclear waste. What is used now? So, uh,
1: globally, many countries use the process of, uh, vitrification. So turning the, the waste material into a glass, meaning you, you mix your, your nuclear waste with things like, uh, silicon oxide, think, think like sand and some other simple oxides, heating it to relatively high temperatures and then everything interacts together and forms that nice amorphous glass. And that then would be, uh, stored for long term.
0: And, and where would it be stored? How does it get stored? Well, that's
1: a great question. And, and there's a lot of conversation, uh, not just within Canada, but, but globally about how to do that. So currently, uh, most times the waste is stored above ground in specially designed uh, uh, containers. In uh, moving into the future, many nations are focusing on what's called a deep geological repository, meaning placing your waste material that's uh, well-contained deep underground in something that would look like a... Uh, a simple shaft mine like the many mines that we have in Canada.
0: Got a couple of great researchers that are doing work for the University of Saskatchewan's Department of Chemistry, Andrew Grosvenor and Mirnaz Mikchian. So I, I'm curious to know, we're, we're now stepping into where the province of Saskatchewan is using nuclear as a day-to-day word as part of, of what we're doing. Sask Power's in the process of finding suitable sites for a nuclear facility to potentially add the province's first SMR that would begin supplying Saskatchewan with electricity by the mid-2030s. So how does your work potentially play into this?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a great question, and, and certainly for those working in nuclear energy-related research, it's been uh, very exciting the last few years in Canada. So with SMRs, or, or small modular reactors, that technology is, is different than the can-do reactors that, that we currently have in Ontario and also operating in New Brunswick. And so the, the waste streams that are going to be produced are, are are different than what we're already currently dealing with in Canada. And so that's really going to require new uh, sequestration strategies or new containment strategies for dealing with that uh, different form of waste material from this new technology, small modular, and also, as you mentioned earlier, micromodular reactors.
0: So I'm curious to know there's kind of two streams to the discussion that we're having today. Uh, one of them is the the innovation and the work that you're doing, the brilliant work uh, when it comes to how glass ceramic composite materials can be used for sequestering nuclear waste. The other is how you're using the Canadian light source to help you with your resource uh, research. So how is uh, this this helping you, the synchrotron helping you with your work?
2: So um, for the uh, glass composite material, um, glass ceramic composite materials that we proposed, uh, we need to have clear and in-depth information of their um, bulk structure, which is the uh, materials within the structure of the materials and also the surface of these materials. Because for the corrosion study, um, we exposed these materials to water over a year. And um, so we need to have uh, enough information about how these materials behave after um, they're being exposed to water. So with the um, Canadian Life Source, we used the uh, Ideas Beam line um, for study the bulk of this material, uh, how these material behave after long exposure to water, and we found that actually these materials are very stable over one year. And uh, we also used VLS PGM at the uh, Canadian Light Source, and we could uh, found we could find actually this material only um, react uh, with water based on their um, surface. Like the reaction uh, is uh, happening at the surface of these materials.
0: Mirna's uh, Mikchian, and. Andrew Grovner, my guest today, a couple of local Saskatchewan researchers working in the chemistry department at the University of Saskatchewan. So how far away are we from this being um, a new, new innovative process that will be used worldwide? And what does that rollout potentially look like?
1: <clears throat> well, that, that's a great question. And, and um, <clears throat> it's complicated. When you're developing... Materials for the nuclear industry in, including new nuclear waste forms a significant amount of research and continuous testing is required and, and so really these are uh, decades-long endeavors and and we're right at the uh, At the ground floor right now with, with this technology <clears throat> We've been able to make it <clears throat> we, we've found that the corrosion properties uh, so how they behave or how they react with water are, are very good and, and similar to that of just a glass on its own. And so now significant further study will be needed to, to further validate those materials in sort of you know, testing conditions with real actual nuclear waste being, being involved before the eventual use of these materials on the uh, industrial scale
0: fascinating work and it's impressive work and I appreciate uh, Andrew and Mirnaz thank you so much for being here to share your research, to share the work that you're doing with the team in the chemistry department and of course at the Canadian Light Source. Good luck and uh, we'll check in uh, in the future.
1: Thank you Evan, have a great day. Thank you.
0: That's Andrew Grovner and Mirnaz Mikchian who are both with the University of Saskatchewan's Department of Chemistry doing some great work now through Canadian Light Source and basically how nuclear waste is sequestered using this glass ceramic composite, which could be an innovative solution that we will see roll out, not just across our country with these SMRs and and other technology to provide electricity, but I'm guessing this is eventually worldwide. You're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Midway through Thursday, lunch hour. At this time tomorrow, by the way, No teachers will be supervising children in schools. They are pulling lunch hour supervision as part of the ongoing job action. Of course, rotating strikes happening tomorrow as well. Prince Albert, North Battleford districts, and a couple of other smaller districts are affected by the rotating strikes. Uh, Teachers no closer to getting a contract. The provincial government and teachers clearly still a ways away. And if you're wondering what the implications are for you, if you've got a child in school, chances are... They've got something posted on their website. Your local uh, school division has something there to help you navigate what is going to happen. In a lot of cases, the kids aren't even going to go back to school in the afternoon. They basically amend the classes. Uh, You work up until a certain amount of time. Then you go off for lunch and you don't have to come back. In In other classes, they're saying you go home for lunch and if you want to come back, you can you think if you give the kids the choice, do you think they're going to go back? I mean, they are literally on the doorstep of a week off of school. It's uh, the February break or reading week, uh, whatever you want to call it. And as a result, uh, yeah, I'm guessing if they have the option, what parents want, what kids want might be two different things. We're uh, following this uh, tragic story from the Super Bowl celebrations in kansas city where one person has died 22 people shot and injured of those 22 nine were children um yeah people in critical condition as a result of people opening fire in downtown kansas city as the celebration was happening it's tragic we're actually hearing from authorities now in kansas city police are saying that this actually appears to be people that were it's not connected to terrorism, but these were an, an argument amongst a group of people, and as a result of that argument, people opened fire. I mentioned one person dead, a 43-year-old female. Victims that are injured age and in range uh, age in, range in age, if I can get that out, between eight and 47 years old. Three people are detained; two of them are younger than 18 years old. And as that is going on, our newsroom is following that, we're actually hearing about an armed assault that happened in Canada, in Montreal, in fact. Just this morning, police are on scene investigating an armed assault of several victims. Police operation is underway. No um, word yet on the number of victims or their condition. One suspect has been arrested. But firearm crime, violent crime using firearms continues to be a problem, for sure, as we... uh, we see this unfold. Well, coming up on the show tomorrow, we got a few different things we're going to be talking about. We will be hearing from Highways Minister Lori Carr, who is uh, Highways Minister for the province of Saskatchewan. And this happens after Environment Minister Stephen Gibo made comments yesterday that the federal government is no longer interested in investing in road infrastructure. After he was challenged on that, he walked his comments back a little bit and he says, no, 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 you you misunderstood. That's not what I meant. I should clarify. What I meant to say is these big super highways that cost billions of dollars, we're not going to do that. But he did insinuate that basically the roads that we have in Canada are adequate, even though in the next two decades, we're expecting about another 10 million in growth in our country. So we want to talk with Highways Minister Lori Carr, find out how much money do we get from the feds when it comes to highway maintenance and development in our province? We'll talk a little bit about that. Cost of living is a real challenge as well. So tomorrow, we are going to be talking about that. We're seeing people try and do whatever they can to increase salaries at work, as we see with the teachers through collective bargaining. Others are forced to reduce spending where possible, making tough decisions, basically. And for those that are retiring or already retired on a fixed income, this can be a real challenge. The cost of living is something that we'll chat with Darren Ulmer. Darren Ulmer is a financial planner with Sun Life, president of White Owl Financial Solutions, and we'll talk about what it's been like for retirees, knowing that we are in a cost-of-living crisis in our country. Oh, and of course, Friday means bugs and hugs. Every Friday at 10 o'clock, we open up the phone lines your chance to call in and let us know what's bugging you, and judging by what we've talked about this week, there's a number of issues that you could call in about. But we take hugs too. Something positive you want to send out a hug, we'd love to have that bugs and hugs tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. I hope you have a great day, and I hope that you'll join me back here tomorrow at eight thirty six on nine hundred eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM.